Hello and welcome to the Broadway Binge Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Hannah. And we are going to tell you the history of American musical theater by reviewing and ranking all of the most important musicals from Showboat to today. Today we'll be talking about Kiss Me Kate, opened in 1948 with music and lyrics by Cole Porter and book by Samuel and Bella Spuak, directed by John C. Wilson with choreography by Hanya Holm. All right. <laughs> cool. Well, we should touch base briefly with what we watched, and also maybe let's just give like a quick summary of Kiss Me, Kate. Like, let's just get all that out of the way up front. Yeah. So I, the version I watched was uh, there was uh, I think 1999 Broadway revival, which they then did a 2001 West End revival in London, which was very similar, and that was videotaped and released on PBS in like 2003. And someone put that production on YouTube. So I watched that because I heard that the movie is actually, like, surprisingly faithful, but, like, does have some differences. So I decided to just watch a stage version. So I watched that version. How about you? Yeah, um, I watched some of that version. I also sort of just, like, sourced a lot of the clips on YouTube of uh, from the, the film, which I think came out in also the 50s. Um, so I, I've seen sort of a smattering of different types of media about this show i've also just like listened to some of the songs from the original broadway recording um so i would say uh i'm not an expert in any one version but um i'm familiar with with i think several versions yeah and most of the uh audio clips that i've lined up are from the 2003 pbs one that i watched but i also pulled up a clip of uh, my arch nemesis howard keel singing in the movie version great i love that Uh, okay so, uh, in terms of history, there's not much to say. We already talked about Cole Porter in episode two of Broadway Binge, Anything Goes. He was very well known for his old shows like High Society, Anything Goes, that were, you know, not integrated musicals, just like musical comedies that were unintegrated. And this was him very consciously competing with Rodgers and Hammerstein saying, oh, you guys want to integrate your lyrics now? Well, I can do that even better. <laughs> Anything, Anything you can you do. Anything you can do, I can, can do better. <laughs> That's, we're lame. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he did that. He wrote the show. Um, it was sort of based, it was inspired by the onstage and offstage battling of husband and wife actors Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontaine during their 1935 production of Taming of the Shrew. Right. Um, it was witnessed by Broadway producer Arnold St. Subber. So in 1947, he asked the Spuaks, who were a writing team undergoing their own marital woes at the time, to write the script. And then Bella Spuak asked Cole Porter to write the music and lyrics, which he did. So that is the history of this show. It was very successful. Uh, ran in the Schubert Theater for 1,077 performances. Um, huge hit. Um, also, it won um, the first ever Tony Award for Best Musical in 1949. The Tony Awards were like, I think they started in 47, but the award for Best Musical is not presented until 1949. So Kiss Me, Kate is the first winner of Best Musical. Um, and it's based on Taming of the Shrew by William Shakespeare. Um, I, this is also a good time for us to talk about our separate involvements in Taming of the Shrew. I actually played Petruchio in Taming of the Shrew in college. Petruchio is the, uh, you know, the main guy. He tames the shrew, if you're not familiar (laughs) with the story. Um, yeah, basically the story is that there are two sisters. Um, the younger sister is like, you know, nice and obedient and the older sister is shrewish and disobedient. Right. And everyone in town in Padua wants to marry the younger sister, but her dad has a rule that the younger sister can't get married until the older one does. 
So Petruchio is like, I want the money that will come with the older one's dowry, uh, so I will marry her and I will tame the shrew. And he does tame her. Okay, all right. Well, here we go. (laughs) And it's... Okay, yeah, so... Uh, taming of the shrew okay so here's the deal i'm gonna jump in now um jeremy uh, jeremy and i are both intimately familiar with this play we both worked on it quite a bit jeremy's played petruchio he was wonderful i saw it in college oh, thank um you. you're welcome it was uh truly tr- you were very fun um you had great hair you had a really great leather jacket um you brought a lot of joy to this character oh it was a 1950s sucks. production yeah it was who, who does shakespeare <laughs> who does shakespeare and doesn't put it in a different time period at this point right am i right um okay so I, two years ago, was part of this production that my friend Christine Frigi directed. Hi, Christine. Um, uh, directed by Reject Theater Project. They basically, we staged an immersive um, all-lady, um, well, all-female-body all, all, male, all female body lady-identifying cast um, project called Shrew. Um, so we played all the roles, and it was basically like a deconstruction of the play um, and actually just presenting it as an abuse narrative because that's what it is. Um so I obviously have a lot of feelings about Taming the Shrew and that it's um, just kind of a sexist, irredeemable piece of garbage. I say that as a huge Shakespeare fan. I just love Shakespeare. Um, but I'm just really not interested in that play getting produced anymore because it's um, literally the story of a man beating and starving a woman um, and then we're supposed to feel good about it at the end. And mm-hmm. I just don't need that in my life. So Jeremy and I, I think, both feel pretty similarly about yeah, the story. I, I, <laughs> I could not agree more. So yeah. the version the version of Taming of the Shrew I was in, um, it was directed by two women and it was a allegedly a feminist production of taming of the shrew i think it's there's no such thing as a feminist production of taming of the shrew it's irredeemable the way that people usually try to do feminist productions of it and this happens all the time um because people want to be able to like enjoy the sort of like laughs that are in it without feeling bad basically at the end kate has been tamed allegedly and she gives this speech about how women should be obedient to their husbands and the extent it's terrible um i'll actually play it in a second because they they reproduce pretty much all of the most important kate and petruchio scenes in kiss me kate which i'll talk about so basically the premise of kiss me kate is there's a husband wife duo on modern broadway and by modern broadway i mean like 1948 or 47 (laughs) and they're doing a musical version of taming of the shrew so we see their plot unfold backstage and then we also watch the most important parts of taming of the shrew on stage some of which have been converted into song and it feels like if you're sorry i'm interrupting you here yeah, no, go for it. I, it feels to me like they were like you know it's like like you know I, I heard you like taming of the shrew so we're gonna do taming of the shrew <laughs> inside taming of the shrew and it's like i don't like taming of the shrew Whew, okay sorry I got well, uh, <laughs> well well memed well memed hannah very dank yeah, of thank you. you um yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so basically the extent of making it a feminist version is that when Kate gives the speech at the end, she turns and winks to the audience. I'm telling you, every feminist production of Taming of the Shrew is a complete sexist piece of garbage all the way through, and then they have Catherine wink at the end like, haha, I'm not really tamed. I'm just going to obey everything Petruchio says for the rest of my life, but I winked at the audience, so I don't really so mean it. It's like, it's like, it's like, Worse, I mean, obviously it's way worse than Annie Get Your Gun, but it's, like, sort of a similar formula where it's, like, she resists the whole time, and then, I mean, actually, it's different. It's worse. I think it's actually worse than Annie Get Your Gun in Greece, because in that, it, the, the woman's not in an abusive relationship. She's just making a bad choice to change herself for a bad man 
because of a male writer of the show has decided that right. this is what the woman would choose for herself. But in Taming of the Shrew and in Kiss Me Kate, she's not choosing. No. She's, she's, she's being beaten. Yeah, it's not cool. It's just not chilling. She's literally being beaten. I mean, this is like worse than Carousel. Yeah, it's very bad indeed. It's just very bad indeed. It doesn't hold up well. Um, and, and the weight does nothing. <laughs> Like if no. you're if 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 you're letting someone beat you and if you're obeying them and letting them starve you and doing everything they say for the rest of your life, you can't just say, "Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm actually in control." It doesn't work that way. No, and it so doesn't. there's, and so everyone and their mother is trying to, do a feminist version of Taming of the Shrew, like the version I was in. And when I was yeah. in it, I was like, "This is not, this is failing." Like I'm. So I, I've always said, I've said this way before I heard of a Hannah's true thing, which is what makes me so excited about it, is that <laughs> I've always felt the only way you could maybe do a feminist taming of the shrew is to not do it as a comedy. Correct. Make it very clear that Petruchio is the villain and that this Correct. is not a comedy, it's a tragedy. Yeah. It's a tragedy of Catherine. And, yeah. and you're, not, you're not supposed to laugh. You're supposed to like cry and be upset. It's terrible. And I don't even know why anyone would want to put up that play because it sounds horrible. Yeah. But, I'm so excited. Uh, I wish I could have seen your, your <laughs> Shrew production because it sounds like everything that I've always thought was the only way you could do Taming of the Shrew. Well, so, okay, I'll tell you a little bit about it because this is fun now. Um, we did a lot of things. Like, we used a lot of text from the play, but we also did a lot of other sort of, like, pieces that we made. Like, we uh, played Billie Holiday songs. We used Virginia Woolf text. We did a whole scene that was just us pretending to be actors in the production doing a talk back about the production where we just sort of, like, riffed on all the ways that people are douchey and talkbacks and, like, just sort of, like, uh, gaslighted a member of the cast. The, the way we did it was, like, the woman playing Catherine. In some ways, it's similar to Kiss Me Kate. Like, she was having the experience of being like, hey, this play is really not chilling with me. Um, and we would sort of just try to gaslight her in the talkback. And so it kind of, uh, like, we, we, we did that. Um, we, in the end, like, we fired the actress playing Catherine. We tried to cast a new... Kate from the audience and we would usually cast like a straight white man to play Kate um it, it was a lot um we Kate like would walk around wearing like boxing gloves and was like a fighter and would like have physical altercations with Petruchio we actually staged the scene where Petruchio beats and kills his horse which is referenced in the the script of the play but like is not a technically a scene and we had like I played the horse uh with someone else and we actually showed him like beating and killing an animal which is a thing that happens um we made the dinner scene like completely immersive um, and like we played hungry like a wolf, hungry like the wolf in the <laughs> background and uh, invited the audience to have dinner with Kate and Petruchio and he would like, uh, wouldn't let her eat anything and would feed the audience members and if they fed her, we'd um, come in as like the police squad and kick them out of dinner. Um, but it was also like, done, the whole thing was done like very, in some ways it was really funny, like it was because, because we were like allowing the audience to see the show for what it was, like. There's a lot of uncomfortable laughter. We were also, like, allowed to kind of, like, dig into all the different strange types of masculinity in the show. So, like, I played Hortensio at one point, who's um, just really sad. I, like, played Kazoo a lot. Um, Hortensio at one point, like, walked around the space playing Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. He's, like, one of the rejected suitors um, for the, the, like, non-primary love couple in the story. So, anyway, it was, like... It was fun. Uh, that, that would be the only way I would ever be interested in working on the show, though, also. Because it was also, like, really brutal um, and messed up. And, like, we, we... Because it was, I think, female-bodied people, it helped. Like, it was... Okay. In some ways, it felt like we could tell the story of the abuse narrative without, like, perpetuating that um, or staging that um, in a way that was, like, even more damaging, I guess. Anyway. So, uh, check it out. Look, uh, Google Shrew. 
by um, Reject Theater Project, um, and you'll probably find some stuff about us. No, that sounds amazing. I'm really upset I, I missed that. It was fun. Um, props to Christine Frigi. It was her baby. And uh, props to my friend Emily Fernandez might be listening, who played Catherine and was just so good. Oh, she was so good. Yeah. yeah. That sounds really, that sounds like really interesting and like exactly the kind of like, <laughs> I just, I love that. I love that. I'm cool. so into that. I'm so much Ooh. more into that than Kiss Me Kate, which I'm not into. <laughs> um, although, I mean, I guess there's some there's some good I music. We'll play it later, I guess. Word. Um, I mean, yeah, we should probably, like, talk about Kiss Me Kate. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, so I'll, I'll start. I'll play another opening, another show, which is, right. like, it's it's sort of like there's no business like there's show business no and you get your gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like the poor man's there's no business like show business. It's not, like, it doesn't have much to do with the show. It's just sort of like Cole Porter, like, I'm going to write a song it's going to be a hit, and this is the song. Here we go. Another opening, another oh, it starts subdued. Show. What a choice for the West End production. In Philly, Boston, or Baltimore. How mysterious. I'm just going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Alright, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? I mean, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Like, in a lot of ways, this musical... Um, you know, we've talked in the past couple podcasts, right, about, like, the formula that Oklahoma presented starting to get kind of locked into. And I think Kiss Me Kate is, like, another step on that ladder. Um, you know, it does have the fun meta thing going on. I do love uh, plays within plays. <laughs> um, but um, that's my own problem. And uh, the world shouldn't have to suffer through Kiss Me Kate because I like that. I don't like Kiss Me Kate. <laughs> yeah. And I mostly dislike plays within plays. As much as I think that your version of Shrew sounded really good, I generally don't like plays within plays i feel like they're kind of self-indulgent like actors like like very being into their own craft right with like less regard to like what would be like what would make like a better production for the audience and more like oh we're actors like and we do put on shows backstage like let's write a show about actors putting on a show backstage yeah that's what we are um this is just irrelevant but i'm looking up shrew right now and i wanted to add that we had the whole show narrated by an actress uh pretending to be david attenborough running around with a butterfly net Um, so she would just like give a dramaturgical presentation to the um, audience on like shrews and like their animal habits and like it would sort of cross into being a description like a sexist description of women but um uh, <laughs> uh julia who played david attenborough would literally just like haunt the audience and run around the set just being pretending to be this weird old british man <laughs> um, um and like anytime Catherine tried to escape the play um David Attenborough would like blow a whistle and be like shrew shrew <laughs> no we'd have to like recapture her it was really messed up okay anyway um, um another <laughs> I, I I want to bring up actually a, a, one of the most depressing theater experiences I've ever had I was at the, the Globe Theater in London uh-huh. like, like the real Globe and they did Taming of the Shrew no. and this is the first time I think this was in 2012 um, and this was the first time I saw it like and realized that it was a you know like terribly sexist and there's no there's no feminist reading and they played it totally straight. They didn't even try. I mean, trying to make it feminist, I think, will always fail. But, like, 
when people try, it's at least like, okay, like at least you're trying, like you're failing, you're incorrect, this is unsalvageable, but like at least you're trying to salvage it. They played it totally straight. And the whole time I was sitting there aghast, like I wasn't laughing because I was like, this is really bad. He's raping her and beating her and starving her. And the audience ate it up. They let, la- like, Shakespeare's so good at, like, those laugh lines, like, this in the sort of, like, timing where, like, yeah. you sort of draw a laugh out of the audience. No matter what the actors are saying, you just sort of, like, phrase it right. Shakespeare's so good at that, and these actors were so good at that. So the audience was just laughing on cue at every single moment. And I was just like, what? Yeah, it's just, like, that's what's tough about it, right? And, like, part of why I don't think we should do um, Shrew in any form and thereby, like, not be doing Kiss Me Kate is, like, the container's really good. Like, Shakespeare's obviously really fucking good. Um, and I, you know, again, I say this as someone who just, like, that's my favorite thing to do is do Shakespeare plays. Um, but it's, like, it's really convincing, like, because the container's so good, right? And, like, the language is so good. Um, and it's, it's so well-crafted. Like, you know, even if you're, like, a really, you know, woke feminist and you watch Taming of the Shrew, it's, like, hard to not become completely in that and so then it begs the story of like why tell this story in the first place oh mm-hmm. man anyway yeah and i would say i i know people loved kiss me kate when it came out it was a huge yeah. hit i actually don't think in the way so the taming of the shrew is not a, pl- a good play that should be done anymore but the container as you say is excellent some of his right. best comedic writing like exactly. if you walk in with the assumption that women are inferior to men then it might be his best comedic writing ever Correct. Whereas I would say Kiss Me Kate, even if you walk into Kiss Me Kate with the idea that women are inferior to men, I still actually think it's just boring. I'm actually just, yeah. I just found it to be a boring show. Yeah, okay, I mean, great. We should talk about so, that more. Yeah, so like, um, let's talk about yeah. Kiss Me Kate. <laughs> um, so I've, I've, the next video clip I have lined up, so then there's a bunch of, you know, like them backstage. Um, the secondary couple, the guy in that like made a bad bet with gangsters. So the and they did it the IOU in the name of the guy who sort of plays Petruchio and is in charge of the show. So the through so along with everything else going on, there are these two gangsters, like very guys and dolls sort of gangsters, who are like there the whole time. And he says, "I can't pay you the money unless the show goes off, so you can't let Catherine leave." So the actress playing Catherine wants to leave. Right. Because that guy playing Petruchio hit her in real life and made her, her ass hurt by spanking her so she can't sit down. It's like, ha how funny. She can't sit. Like, they played for laughs in, like, 2003. Uh, uh, um, uh, so the two gangsters don't want to let her leave. So they have to put on Shakespearean costume and be in the show to make sure that the show goes off without a hitch. And bas- the only good thing of the entire show, in my opinion, is the uh, the two gangsters. But, um... They sing a song called Brush Up Your Shakespeare that's, like, very often quoted. Oh, yeah, good so that's, segue. Yeah, so that's, like, the very last thing, but I'm going to play that probably at length. This is So this is basically Cole Porter just doing as many puns on Shakespeare titles as possible. It goes on for a very long time. I'll Great. start at the top, and we can keep going. We can talk over it. We'll see where it goes, so... Great. Here we go. Respond when you flatter her. 
tell her what Tony told Cleopatra. If she right. fights with her clothes, you are mustn't. What a clothes much to do about nothing. Rush your Shakespeare and they're all out. So I do think right. some of the puns later on are like better, but I, I'm a so, little disappointed in Cole Porter and that every time before they get to new puns, they repeat the exact same word for word chorus, which is like yeah. not interesting. It's really slow. So it t- I remember I heard about how funny the song was. Like I read about it and I'd read the lyrics before without hearing it. And in my mind, it was like a quick song, like brush up Shakespeare. Wait, da, 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 da. That's exactly what I wanted. No, it's, it's it's so slow. Um, so like I actually there's some really good puns in there. I guess if you want on your own, you can look at the lyrics or like, I mean problematic puns too, because it's very yeah. much about like you know like wooing women. But like well written puns by Cole Porter. You can tell it's the same guy who wrote. Right. Um, what were those songs he did in Anything Goes? Um, You're yeah, the top. You can do, I can do. No, that's that's, that's Irving Berlin. Berlin. Damn it, yeah. um, Anything goes. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, you're the top. You're the tower. Yeah, Pisa. Uh, you're yeah. the smile on the Mona oh, Lisa. Lisa. Okay, yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. Goes. Like. Right. And though, I mean, obviously, like a brilliant writer. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, I had a brilliant thought to contribute. I don't know. Oh, my! I have a hot take, which is that. Um, the better version of Brush Up Your Shakespeare is uh, in Reefer Madness when they sing the song about Romeo and Juliet. Like, that's what they're trying to do, right? Um, I'm not that... familiar with Reefer Madness. Really? No, I'm not familiar with it at all. Um, there's a great I mean, song I know what Reefer it is, Madness. but I've okay. never seen it. Well, a slight, a slight um, another diversion because, oh, just honestly, fuck Kiss Me Kate. Um, <laughs> I hope people aren't coming to this podcast today to be like, oh, I can't wait to live doing Kiss Me Kate. I love Kiss Me Kate. Well, they um, need to be taught. <laughs> They've got I, to be carefully taught. Yeah. Uh, hints of coming attractions with South Pacific. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Reefer Madness. Which I love. Anyway, sorry. I love South Pacific. Um, yeah, Reefer okay. Madness um, has a couple in it that's very young. Reefer Madness is a, is based on like a bad info film uh, that's very silly that holds up very poorly about um, smoking weed and its dangers. So Reefer. But there's a couple that falls in love and they sing a song where they're like, we are just like Romeo and Juliet. We're happy, young, and bubbling with love. I can't wait to read the ending. I can't either. And they haven't uh, read the ending yet, and that's part of the jokes. But that's the really cor- funny. The chorus is like, uh, but you sound so dreamy when you talk like Shakespeare. A good vocabulary should be mandatory when you fall in love. And they do like a whole, um, I love this part of the podcast that's just me singing, uh, doing a Kristen Bell impression. Well, now um, now that you are singing the song, that means we don't have to do an episode on Reefer Madness. No, we absolutely do. I reject that assumption. Um, that's fine. So I, I made a list of like 102 musicals that I think are must records and then like 50 other musicals, which like if our show gets really popular, like we could maybe do those musicals in addition to just like mm-hmm. create more content. Reefer Madness was not on either list. I, that, it never occurred to me. I can't believe this. This is why we'll do I it. don't trouble myself with the lists because I can't. I have too many opinions. Hey, I mean, you're you're the, you're the co-host, so if you want to do sure. Reefer Madness, I'll do I'll do Reefer Madness. I'm not gonna like say I'm not gonna fight against this. You I, would it, love it. Yeah, film, it just wouldn't have occurred to me. Do you know in the, the same film, way that it wouldn't. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. In the same way, it wouldn't occur to me to do an episode on Bat Boy ever. It wouldn't occur to me right, to do an episode right. on Reefer Madness. I think of them as like the same thing. Like That's the kind of thing that like if you were like around and listening to the theater in like the er- late 90s early 2000s then like you'd be really into this but then 10 years from now literally no one will know what those shows are anymore 
I mean, it's like, true young. that they both have cult appeal. Um, it's true that the Reefer Madness film has Alan Cumming and Anna Gasteyer in it and Christian Bell. So That's a um, game changer. I was not aware of this. Yeah, it stars Alan Cumming. Um, okay. You, and Anna Gasteyer is my performance for a lifetime. Yeah, so there we go. Um, you heard it here first that uh, we will be doing Reefer Madness at some point in the future. My point was simply that, like, the riffing on Shakespeare in song form formula, like, fine, great, fun, but... Um, not that successful and has been done better in other places. Yeah, and I spent the whole musical waiting for Brush Up Your Shakespeare because I'd heard that was the funniest oh. song, and I wanted that to like be what made the show happen. That's and they come out, and they sing this slow, boring song, and they keep like walking off stage and then like coming on to do encores with like, more verses and more Shakespeare things, which is you know, it's, like, not real encores. It's all planned. It's so contrived. I hate false encores. It's my least favorite thing. Uh, I, I, I like false encores even less than I like Howard Keel. And Broadway mercifully does not do this as much, but the, I've been, when I, I spent some time in London seeing a bunch of shows and every single musical, they come out for like nine encores and it's just like so fake and contrived. It's like, just give us the content up front. Like, don't pretend you're coming out because of our applause and standing ovation when we're obliged to stand because that's just how right. it happens. You didn't <laughs> earn the encore. Don't act Don't act like you're giving us this content because we begged for it. You were going to give us the content all along. Just give it to us and stop with the contrivance. And thank God New York Broadway does not do that. They give you the content up front. Okay. <laughs> all right, a savage takedown by uh, one Jeremy Berman. <laughs> I've been holding on to that. You've been holding on to that. I'm really uh, glad that you let it out, Jeremy. I think it's important. Yeah. And I mean, British the- London theater is wonderful and like right. probably better than New York theater, but this is that one thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's too darn hot. It's too darn hot. Well, real quick, um, I will yeah. say like London theater, though, they are overall less willing to give a standing ovation, I think. Interesting. I felt like it was the opposite. Yeah. Well, yeah. but maybe that's just... I don't know. We don't really Maybe know. musicals. I th- Maybe the plays, musicals. they're less likely to give a standing O in London. I think yeah. London musicals, uh, mm-hmm. it's the same as New York where everyone feels obligated to stand up. Right. Especially because as soon as one person in the front row stands up, then everyone behind the mass is stand up, and it's a chain reaction where if you actually want to see what's going on, you have to stand. So it's not earned. It's just everyone is doing it out of obligation. Word. Yeah, I'm here for that. Um, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... There's, like, very different traditions of theater, I feel like, in different countries. Which is interesting, too, right? Actually, okay, now that we're talking about that, because Kiss Me Kate is sort of like an American co-opting of a British play. I mean, Mm -hmm. so I guess this is... I was about to be like, this isn't relevant, but it is. Yeah, And that's the whole joke of Brush Up Your Shakespeare, is it's two American New York gangsters, as American as it gets, uh, doing Shakespeare puns. Um, yeah, okay. fine. Um, All right, let's talk about let's talk about it's too darn hot because I yeah, do it's just, love it's, that it's, song. Yeah, it's a great song. I mean, Cole Porter, even though he did successfully integrate a musical for the first time, he couldn't resist throwing in a few songs that were unrelated. Uh, this is sung by a black stage hand on the show at the beginning of Act Two. It's the big Act Two dance number, saying how it's too darn hot, so they can't have sex because you can't have sex when it's too hot outside. And I'll just play part of this. It's like a good song, and the version I watched had like an amazing dance number for it. So like, that's probably the best part of the version I watched, even though that has nothing to do with the plot. So here you go. Great. Cause it's too, too, too darn hot. It's too darn hot. It's too darn hot. It's too darn hot. Oh, 
The sweet singing makes it even worse than the Shakespeare version where she just says it. I mean, I don't know, because I think what makes it, what's tough about this is, like, it's even easier to, yeah, like, it's easier to sweep under the rug, you know, when you're hearing it orchestrated. It's like, this is so lush. She hasn't winked yet. Is she going to wink at the very end? That's such a terrible choice. She probably is. She's going to wink at the very end. I'm sure it was not her again. Or maybe it was her again. She just just knelt down. The song sounds like it's about to end. I'm waiting for the wink. He comes. He's going to kiss her hand. Where's the wink? There's not been a wink yet. Not, not uh, that that would make it better, Roger, but there's oh, a here it is. Here, oh, oh, there oh, she, oh, 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 she winked. Oh, okay. can you get a wink? Can, we get, can I get confirmation that there audience, was a wink? Audience left. Okay. Um. God, it's terrible. And he says, come on and kiss me, Kate. Yeah. And then it's like the part in the episode of Family Guy where they talk about saying the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I could play a bit of, I'm always true to you, darling, in my fashion. Screw that. Which, yeah, <laughs> I, I sort of, I sort of thought that was a song from Kiss Me Kate. Not sorry, yeah. not Kiss Me Kate. From like Guys and Dolls, which like right. shamelessly I was. I know pretty much all the sh- songs in Guys and Dolls, but I've never seen the stage version. So like, I always sort of assumed that any song where someone was like speaking in that sort of Adelaide accent was like right. from Guys and Dolls. That's funny. Um, I. That's funny. I like um, sort of like the song "So in Love with You Am I," and I will say that's only because I watched the 1950s version of the film where it's like the they're sort of re-meeting for the first time and he's just trying to get in with her and she's just just truly not having it well ho 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 um, i and, have that on my thing oh, but finish, finish your takeout what were you gonna no, say that was it? it that was it i just wanted to share that um, because i just wanted to let you all know that my arch nemesis from the Annie get your gun episode howard keel who i really hated in the <laughs> Annie get your gun movie found a lot of work for the mgm in the studio system he was mgm's go-to guy in musicals <laughs> In the 50s. So right after he was in Annie Get Your Gun, he was in Calamity Jane. Which, which I love. But loves. Calamity Jane, I've, now bear in mind, I've never seen it, but it sounds, to, Calamity Jane sounds like to Annie Get Your Gun as Ants is to A Bug's Life. All right. Or, or Shark Tale is to Finding Nemo. I just feel that that's um, unfair because I think that I really like Shark Tale and I think um, I really like ants. So yeah, and um, and I'm sure Calamity Jane is all right too. But it's like a total cash in, and they had the audacity to even get the same guy each time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's actually a really interesting point, and I, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> um, but I, I do like Calamity Jane a whole lot. Someday I'll get to that. Maybe when we hang out together. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway. In the future. Um, and so the, uh, Howard Keel also played the lead in the movie of Kiss Me, Kate. And I think this is also after they remade the Showboat movie. We talked about the 1930s Showboat movie that was black and white. They remade it in Technicolor in the 50s and sort of moved around a lot of the songs and changed the plot. So we didn't talk about that movie because it was so different from the stage version. But again, Howard Keel played the, ri- the, sh- the river gambler who loses all of What's-Her-Face's money and like causes all right. the problems in the play. So right. this is just the big age of Howard Keel. So here is a clip, the, the actual clip that Hannah was talking about, So In Love, I had pulled up to show an example of uh. Howard Keel singing in the movie version of Kiss Me Kate. Uh. So here we go. can't see him without thinking of Betty Hutton's impression of him. Yeah, it's really, really special. 
Shut up, how are you? So to the heirs of Howard Keel, who are probably like really upset right now that I'm being so mean to their grandfather, uh, I'm sure he was a great guy. <laughs> but you know, whatever. <laughs> that was weak, Jeremy. That was weak. Hate, hating Howard Keel f- for not great reasons is just a strong choice. So yeah. I'm, make- I'm making it. No, I'm, I'm really here for it. I want to encourage you in this choice. Um, I feel good about the choice you're making. Okay. Really? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not here for it. He's also, he just, like, encapsulates, like, that entire uh, era of sort of, like, suave masculinity, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously I'm not <laughs> just in that. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm a good yes man for this. Uh, Perfect. For this, for this feeling, which is, I think, why we make good hosts. Okay. Yes. On that uh, note, like, let's just fucking. Score it. Let's do score it. Score it. Okay, so first, was it important? Hmm. So, um, okay, I'm gonna give I it know, a two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> For was it important? That this isn't okay. Well, so you're gonna give it two. But was it, it? It wasn't important. Was it important? Did it advance um, the genre in any way? So I do think uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think um, that textbook that I always talk about. Um, mm-hmm. What's it called? I can see it from afar. Oh yeah, Larry Stemple. Um, I think it's sort of like Rodgers and Hammerstein show you could have an integrated musical play. With, with yeah. serious themes that was integrated. And Kiss Me Kate was sort of going back to the old Cole Porter musical right. comedy, but integrating it. And Any Get Your Gun did that as well. Yeah. So. Okay, fine. I'll give it a three. <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, you don't have to change it on my account, yeah, but I guess. No, okay, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give it a three. I'll give it a three. Okay, so I am going to give it a five Psh. for that reason. Um, for was it important? That doesn't mean I like it. Okay, fine. Heard. Okay, was it good? This is tough. This is really tough because... Was it good? I'll give it, it was a... Released. Uh, I'll give it a five. Uh, okay, yeah, and I reluctantly am going to uh, give it a six. I feel like I feel like we're scoring it too low because we don't like it now. But I don't think it was good anyway. Like, it's not like it's snappy. Like, we haven't come up no. with, like, numbers that we love. You know what I mean? Okay, so let's lock that in. I'm giving it a because I feel like people loved it at the time, so I want to give it more than a five, but I also don't want to give it that much more. Now that we've locked that in and we can't change our scores anymore, let's actually look at that book that I I have. uh, Right, that's a good idea. Open Night on Broadway by Stephen Susskind. Tell us how wrong we are. Um, Okay, so Kiss Me Kate. It's Broadway scorecard. It got eight rave reviews and one favorable review. Nothing mixed or bad. What? Um, Brooks Atkinson at the Times, who's like the biggest uh, reviewer of all time, said, Occasionally, by some baffling miracle, everything seems to drop gracefully into its appointed place in the composition of a song show. And that is the case here. No one has had to break his neck to dazzle the audience with his brilliance, and no one had to run at frantic speed to get across the rough spots. The Italian setting has another advantage. It gives Mr. Porter an opportunity to poke beyond Tin Pan Alley into a romantic mood. Without losing a sense of humor, he has written a remarkable, melodious score with an occasional suggestion of Puccini, who was a good composer, too. Mr. Porter has always enjoyed the luxury of rowdy tunes and has scribbled a few for the current festival. All of his lyrics are literate, and as usual, some of them would shock the editorial staff of the Police Gazette. But the interesting thing about the new score is the enthusiasm Mr. Porter has for romantic melodies indigenous to the soft climate of the Mediterranean. All right. Robert Garland says, if Kiss Me Kate isn't the best musical comedy okay. I ever saw, Gosh. I don't remember what the best musical comedy I ever saw was called. I'm going to call it Annie Get Your Gun, Robert Garland. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I just, I just, uh, okay. I mean, fine. Whatever. No reviews by women. Huh! What Which, a like, shocking, what a shocking, I'm shocked. I'm truly shocked. So I would have assumed that there'd be no theater reviews by women until like the 70s or 80s or whatever, but we actually have, there was one uh, in Correct. Carousel at least. It was the one bad review of Carousel was by a woman, so what a surprise, I was hoping maybe again. she'd still be around uh, for this. Um, you, can you hear my surprise face? Yeah, so, on, so honestly, if, if we're being fair and maybe when we have fans they'll like be outraged and be like you're not supposed to be thinking about your own opinions and was it good you should be giving it tens but you know what whatever screw that i also don't believe that everybody like um has always thought that it's great okay like i just don't believe that um yeah i mean i also have i don't know my parents are pretty chill and they hate this show um yeah i think there are people who hate this show it's come out Um, a generation before our parents because i know my parents don't like it either yeah, right, we want the generation before that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But I still think, like, was it good is not just was it popular, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's not yeah, just we're, Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's true. We're not saying was it popular. We're saying was it good compared to the musicals that had come before it, as yeah, opposed to compared to the musicals now. So, and you know. I think we've talked about a lot of better musicals, including last week, Andy Get Your Gun was a much right. better musical. I agree. Um, okay, now we're going to say is it good now. I have my score. I'm going to give it a 0.5. I was gonna give it a one. Okay, that's fine. Um, because I, I think I gave great. That's great. I gave a I one. To, I gave a one to Carousel. Yeah. Wait, is this worse than Carousel? Because I was thinking this is boring and actually, I'm gonna amend up to a one because what? Because th- thinking about it, I think there are parts of this that are better than Carousel, so I don't want to give it a lower score than Carousel. The, yeah. The, the message is even worse than in Carousel, maybe. No, well, that's hard to say. They're, they're Carousel's so weird upon reflection. It's just such a weird yeah show anyway yeah okay um i would love to hear what the total is because i'm sure it's gonna be very fun okay so i gave it a grand total of 12 you gave it a grand total of nine which (laughs) means the total total is uh nine plus 12 is 21 which is exactly half the score of annie get your gun from our previous week amazing uh this is actually our last place show great (laughs) haha our previous last place was porgy and bess uh, just because we thought it was really boring, I think. Yeah. It was less about the message. It was more just like, that's just, I'm just not an opera fan. And Hannah yeah, was more we, of a fan than I was, but she didn't, like, give it rave scores. No, we had issues with it. I mean, well, obviously, there are, not that we had, there are issues with that show. Yeah, there are issues um, with it. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, Kate's in last place, where it belongs. Um, Great. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for listening, friends. Yeah, um, so... I can't promise you what we're going to do next week. I know the next one we're recording is going to be Guys and Dolls, um, which I, it, it should be good. I don't want to spoil anything, but we have something exciting planned. Um, oh, we and do, do we? We do. And <laughs> however, even though that's the next one we're probably going to record, I think the next one we're going to release is probably, hopefully, South Pacific, which actually was released before uh, Guys and Dolls. evening. Um, you know that... Um... My first ever musical was uh, Sound of Music. I played one of the kids who sang That's, that's not, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'm That's not Sound of Music. That. That's South Pacific. What did you say? I thought you said South Pacific. I did, and then you said Sound of Music accidentally. Oh, uh, well, that's cool. I slept lots last night. They're similar. That's Yeah, no, it's true that I met South Pacific, and I just said Sound of Music. I didn't know that. Actually, my first musical I was ever in was The King and I, where I played uh, Anna's son, Louie. Like, I was so nice. happy to... Um. All right. What a fun, what a fun little uh little addendum at the end of our episode here. 
Um, so, hey, everyone, be sure to subscribe to Broadway Binge on any podcast app so you'll be able to get each episode as soon as it comes out. You can find our episodes at our website, broadwaybinge.podbean.com, where we sometimes will put up links and pictures as well. You can check us out on Twitter at Broadway underscore binge, where you can join the conversation. Leave us a tweet. We're almost certainly going to read it on the air. Um, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes, which will be so important to helping people find the podcast. If you uh, give us a good score on iTunes and a review, that'll help people when they're looking at Broadway podcasts to find us. So uh, please do that if you can. Um, and we'll see you all next week for some sort of show, which might be South Pacific and might be Guys and Dolls. I can't say, but it won't be South Pacific. Or the outside chances for you to do. Don't get your hopes up. All right.